everyone, welcome back to Mission Daily. We're back, Albert, how's it going? Listen, l- last week I ranted about the home. I'll give an update later on, but uh, for now, I feel like things are moving in a better place, but who knows? I still have not listened to your episode rant yet. I need to go and check it out um, because <laughs> I think that you do a great job going solo when I cannot accompany you. So I'll have to go and hear about yeah. this rant. Yeah, well, you know, it starts with having a problem. And right now I have a big problem, which I find super annoying. So it's easy to rant about something like that. Okay, so then next episode, I will listen to it. And then we can, you know, talk about what's happening with your big problem. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, home reconstruction just takes a long time. And so I'll have an update hopefully next time. And we'll find out, am I back to normal? Or am I still like going through the process? Okay. All right. So this episode, though, we had... An interesting question from one of our team members, Lacey. Oh, yeah. And it was all around. Well, first it started, what would you do with $10,000? Like, and I responded, to... nothing. And yes. Because <laughs> that's was... not exciting. Yeah, because you were not excited about what would you do with $10,000. You didn't think that was that helpful. And so instead, you have a counter question to what we're going to talk about today, which is what? Well, let's start. Let's first start why I said that. I said okay. because $10,000... Well, it depends on where you're sitting, right? It can be very helpful or it could be not help or not that $10,000 is never not helpful, but you could also be in a place where $10,000 isn't that much in your life for you to take a risk with it. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. maybe you have more than $10,000. Like what if you already have liquid worth 1 million, you know, $10,000 really isn't just 1%. I mean, it's not like it doesn't seem to move the needle. So unless you had an objective, Asking somebody what would they do with ten thousand dollars, and there's no objective. I'm like, well, just sit on it. Which well, is why would you do- sit on it? Because you did say, "Oh, I would put it in a high interest savings account," and then you probably saw my response in Slack, where I'm like, "Oh, that's lame. I like that's not interesting to me to put ten thousand dollars into my Amex account and just watch interest happening. That's boring. yeah, it's not I'd interesting. Rather- yeah, it's yeah. not interesting to me either. But at the same time, I'm not super motivated to spend it either. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the alternative is to spend it on something. But if there's nothing I want to spend it on. Well, I can accumulate cash, right? I can keep earning other, other ways and adding to cash and possibly having a larger sum of money to to do something different with. Because when you think about $10,000, what are some of the things that you can do with it? It becomes quite limiting. And so our conversations start talking. And it, because like, for example, like, could you lease a facility? No. Could you buy industrial equipment? No. Could you, you know, buy a vehicle, maybe a used one, you know what I mean, with like a lot of miles? Um, so $10,000 actually... It, it, don't get me wrong, it'd be helpful in many, many people's lives, but in terms of like doing something that you, that it, you might not be that effective. So we twisted the question and said, well, what if you had to spend it? And like the objective was you had to revert $10,000. You know, when you're a kid and you play those hypothetical games, like, or what? It's like, otherwise, um, someone's going to do something terrible to your parents or, or something like that. <laughs> oh my you know what I mean? So it's like, you have to take this $10,000. You have to spend it. And your goal is to make $10,000 as quick as possible. Maybe it's like, it's Halloween. So maybe it's like saw, like they're slowly being tortured. And if you get, don't return the Jeez, money so in 30 graphic. days, they're going to get their arm cut off. I don't know. But, but you had to put something on it to encourage spending because that's the whole point is you told me like, what, what I do is like, I do nothing. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you just needed to up the ante a bit to actually give you some stakes. But now you're saying if you get $10,000, you have to return 10,000. So you're essentially breaking even. That's the goal here to break even. You have to spend 10 to return. Well, you have to spend 10 to return 10 more. So the goal, you'd have to make 20. So how would you make 20,000? You have $10,000 to spend. How could you make $20,000 as fast as possible? Um, 
Meanwhile, you're, you know, it's like saw we're saw 11. You know what I mean? Poor Jeremy. He's in some torture device. He's slowly getting his arm cut off every day. You don't return the money and just a little bit more gets cut off his arm. If you don't return it within like 60 days, it's his whole arm's going to be cut off. It's going to be sad. Um, and you can only use the 10 grand and you can only use what you purchased with the 10 grand. How would you get 20? And if you do something like that, then you're like, okay, that's a forcing function. Now we have to spend, we have to do something. Yeah, which I also think it's good because most people, a lot of people could probably get access to $10,000, whether it be yeah. a loan, whether it be a credit card, like Maybe a they just brand new cash. credit card. Maybe they have it in cash. Like it is an, an easy amount, easy-ish to attain. So I feel like this is actually a good practice to think about. Okay, if you had $10,000, how do you return you know, and get 20000 back within what, 60 days? Is that what we're looking for? Yeah, could you get twenty back in 60 days, let's say? What would you do? Okay. Oh, man. Well, let's start with you because this was your idea. How do you, like, <laughs> what is the first thing that came to you? I don't even want to try and guess where your mind is going with what you're going to do. No, no, no. So actually, mine, mine is actually, so there's, there's a couple things that um, I think are true, but I'm not certain. So, so let, me, let me explain. The first thing that has to be true is there has to be a lot of demand for it because it's so, it takes so long to create, um, to create demand. So like if you were to come out with, let's say, oh, I have a new product, I have a new, you know, whether it's cosmetics, makeups, even if it's a consumable, like we all eat food, but if you came out with a new food dish or bar, like cookies or something, like you have to create demand, it's going to be hard to sell. So I think if I had to have money really, really fast, I would go to something that needs a lot of demand. Um, and since, for example, I just got through this process with um, my home, I know that right now hanging sheetrock is like one of the most in-demand things that, that's out there. Like, There's not enough people that hang sheetrock that are reliable. And I know they can make like 50, oh, more than 50 bucks an hour. So the first thing I would say is like, I would enter one of those fields super fast. So I would take some of that money, probably pay someone to teach me how to do it and start, I would just start hanging sheetrock as an hourly employee super fast. And I would probably then very quickly, if I knew I could hang out sheetrock, I would probably put myself out contract to hire super fast to say, I will hang sheetrock with you only because I know and feel like I would get a lot of jobs right away. Now, the bigger longer tail problem is to make, $20,000 in two months hanging sheetrock, you're going to either slave to the bone mm -hmm. or you're going to have to amplify at some point. But I would, in sheetrock's just what I came up with off the top of my head, but I would go towards something with substantial demand. That's how I started thinking about it. How about yourself? Yeah. Okay. That was actually kind of the same similar vein where I would look at my local area and the neighborhoods that I'm in and like what people might want. And I would take kind of, I mean, I guess you would call it a more, you know, just a local job like power washing driveways or you know the benches like the little wooden benches that are in people's yards or whatever that you can make look more beautiful with a power washer and i would use my marketing skills to show a before and after of these mansions houses like here's what your house looks like now and here's what it could look like if i power wash your driveway or your bench or whatever and i would just have really great marketing going out to get people to employ me as a power washer because to buy a power washer is really not that much money. Yeah, it does like seem very quick. Yeah, something dollars. Yeah, very quick visual results. Um, I would only do my marketing techniques like that for like obviously the very large houses, but just showing people like before and after pictures, even if they're not real to start, um, to be like, this could be you. And I would just have really great marketing 
to basically show why I'm the best and I would invest in a power washer. Because I think you don't really know how good something can look unless you see pictures. You know, when you see the picture, you're like, oh, I can see how that could make my house look better. And not a yeah. lot of companies around here do that. They're just like, oh, I can cut your, your, your yard. And I'm like, well, I don't even remember what it looked like when it was cut. So I don't even have that much interest in making it look like that because I can't remember. Versus like a visual of, oh, wow, there's my neighbor's house before and after. I want my house to look like that. I so think I could make it back in 60 days. Cur and yeah, curiously, how long would you have to make 20? Yeah, I would make 20. I think I could, I'm betting on myself. I do think I could definitely do that. I would have to call in help for sure. Like it couldn't so just here, be me. Here is the first problem with your power washing, which is, which by the way, every idea is going to, it's not a problem. It's a challenge, right? How do you overcome it? The, the first problem in power washing, which I know of, is that if your uh, customers are not close together, you'll lose a lot of time traveling between jobs. Mm -hmm. And so you can only make so much money per like power washing. And so the only, the only upside to hanging sheetrock is there's just bigger projects. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. people hang sheetrock in buildings for days. So you could at least consistently, you could work for days. You know what but I mean? But why would like, they hire you who doesn't even have sheetrock experience? That's something I feel like you gotta be good at and licensed in. I wouldn't trust you to hang my sheetrock right now. Why is anyone <laughs> gonna hire you? <laughs> Yeah, great question. I mean, I, I don't have an answer to that. I would have to, that's why I said I would probably take some of that money and pay somebody right away mm -hmm. to teach me mm -hmm. like on the job. Like I would go on the job and be like, hey, you teach me. They might even be annoyed because in that wouldn't, I don't think that'd be easy to find either because they might be like, what if you suck? Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to undo everything you do just so that we can, so you can learn, right? Because um, for anyone who's listening and has never done it, like you shoot with a nail gun the, sh the nails, sheetrock, drywall into the studs. But of course, if you do a bad job, you'll have to extract the nail. If you do it enough times, the stud will have to be replaced. So it's not, it's one, one of those things where you'll get endless practice. You know what I mean? If you suck at it, the guy will probably fire you right there. Like, hey, yeah. No, and that's I'm like, I, I don't want to choose things that, you know, have a higher barrier to entry with knowledge. And I'm like, power washing. There's not much. You either do a good job or you don't. You don't really have to have like, you know, a case study or like proof of work to show that you did a good job before. It's it's a lower risk thing for people to say yes to. And I would also probably tap into what uh, like our pest control people do. They'll come around and just be like, hey, I'm working on your neighbor right now and I can do you for a discounted rate. And that gets me every time where I'm like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> so I would probably try and hit up that strategy too. Of like I'm already in the neighborhood and, you know, because I'm here, it'll be you know, cheaper for you. Yeah. Do you think you could make back 20 grand in 60 days? That becomes I think, a challenge. That's because yeah, I, I think that's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, I think that I would need to bring in people to help. Like it would be me maybe for the first two weeks to figure it out on my own. But then I think I would have to call in someone else to be able to like help scale it out a bit and scale the process. Um, yeah. So I think it could be doable, but it definitely couldn't just be me. Yeah, the this is where because because I know the trade trades work the the challenge with trades work is always um, time and fit, time and physical capability right because the reality is trades work is just it's more tiring this that's a big mm -hmm. fact right it is substantially more tiring than like knowledge work office work fi like physically tiring so you kind of need breaks and you're gonna need your uh, you're, you're gonna need rest and so on so then there re reaches the point where. It, you'd go into scale mode. I thought it was interesting though that you and I both immediately went to trades. Yeah, no, I, cause I'm thinking like if I, 
yeah, if I don't use a lot of the skills or ideas that I already have and I were just to start brand new, like a fresh slate, you know, what could I do? What could anyone jump into? So that's where it's, it's easier for me to think about what is something, a tangible thing that you can offer to someone where they can see the benefit right away. And yep. it's not having to show them like the long-term gain where I feel like the industry and the spaces that we've been in, you know, for a while, it's a longer process. You have to really paint the vision and pull people into that vision versus like power washing or hanging up sheetrock. It's like, here's the thing. I did the thing, pay me. And maybe I'll put you on some subscription plan so I can like guarantee my revenue from you going forward. But you know, overall, <laughs> oh yeah, that was my yeah. other secondary element. It's a subscription base. <laughs> so like I pay, uh, there's a group, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a bit. This group called crown over green and they charge me $73 a month to do the weeding, the weeding and edging of my, uh, house or my yard, excuse me. And they do it once. They only do it once a month. Um, so that's, you know, and, the, and it's usually two guys, two guys could show up. Um, the reality is, I mean, I think I'm fine saying it. There's very rarely females in trades, <laughs> I would say. Um, so two guys come and they're probably done within an hour. Mm -hmm. So like if they could consolidate all their jobs, you know, like if you could do, if you could do a whole block, right. And let's say you can do 10 in a normal eight hour day. So that's, but that's only 730 something dollars minus out the cost of labor. So these guys are probably making 15 bucks an hour or something like that. Um, so you would make, you know, let's say half like 300 something dollars a day. So still to make 20 grand, you need a lot of crews going. You would need a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. you know what I, mean? I mean, that's yeah. When you think about how to make it quicker, I do think it, my mind then always gravitates more towards like the digital landscape where margins are much higher, things can scale much quicker and But you know what's interesting is the digital landscape, I think it's an illusion that the margins are much higher because in a in a yes, if you were to just take the cost of goods sold of software like the engineers <clears throat> and you didn't know R and D, then you would say, Yeah, for sure, there's tons of margin there. But if you really look at the expense ratios of these software companies, there's a, there's a reason why they're all negative. They're all negative mm -hmm. because it costs so much money to keep people on the platform, using the platform, engineering solutions, developing the next thing. Like so few software companies return a, a pro, any profit of some type. So I, I like I know they say like on the books they say their margins are this big, but they're not really because they're doing all these other things. Otherwise, if, if you know, for example, all their investments in customer success, if they didn't have them people probably wouldn't stay. You know what I mean? So it's not, I maybe I mean digital... more in the early days, like the early days of starting something where it can just be like solopreneur, starting it up, testing out an idea. I mean, especially now in the world of like Substack. I mean, I saw how quickly, you know, this one AI newsletter I follow and a couple others, how quickly they scaled up and they got people following them and then they got sponsorship interest like very quickly. And mm -hmm. I just think there's ways like that, that you can, find a concept or a niche that people are looking for good quality content or whatever it might be and scale it up and test it in a way that is higher margins, at least in the beginning. Um, and you can kind of figure out, is this a good idea or not pretty quickly? I mean, you can fail very fast in that area. Yeah. Whereas, you know, with power washing, I've already bought my power washer at that point. Like now I'm, I've got, you know, costs that went into it yeah. versus launching something digitally. You can just do it. And then after a week be like, mm, like, I actually don't think this is really working or I don't even know how to bring people here. Like you can fail quick enough to find out, is that even something that you can explore and make money in 60 days with? Yeah. Power washing, at least I think you can make your money back. You're I think you're guaranteed to make your money back. I don't think that's hard. Um, 
But digital, so what's interesting about digital services and products, that a lot of people, because a lot of people go to digital, is <clears throat> pre-digital, right? You know, I think it'd be very rare for people to be like, oh, you want to make a lot of money going to acting. Hey, you want to make a lot of money going to music. Of course, there are people that do that and do very, very well. And I'm not saying they're not. But like as the tools have gotten better, I think it has created the illusion that because you can, you will be. Meaning mm -hmm. because you can make it, you will be famous. I still think there's a spot. Basically, entertainment is always going to be consumed or it's going to be collected by only a handful of creators. I, mm -hmm. I, I legit believe that. Like the more I see as many people creating, I still think only a handful, because the cream rises to the top, like whatever, we as people, we're only gonna consume what we think is the best, or we're gonna only consume things that get recommended to us. So inevitably you can't recommend that many things. Um, so like I, we found out from, um, so this other company I work with, we found out that Simon & Schuster, for example, they, they launch over 100,000 titles a year. Mm. Hundred thousand titles. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a book publisher. So, yeah. it's like only a handful of those are going to be successful. So it's it really is. I don't think it's as. I don't think your likelihood of success is better than it was before, but your ability to find out is way better. I think that's. Yeah. I think that's. Um, I think that's true. Yeah. So then it just depends on. Do you want to have more predictability around something that you know people will pay you for right away because they're already paying for that or. Do you want to take the risk and maybe get to that 60 days and not have returned your money and get your arm cut chopped off? Apparently. <laughs> it's your, uh, it's, it's, it's Jeremy's arm. So it's, I'm good. Jeremy's arm. You know yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's not my arm. So the risk is actually lower. Yeah. You actually work it. You know what I mean? You're working hard. You're trying to pay it back so he doesn't get his yeah. arm shot off. Though, you know? I just, I did so. my best. I gave yeah, it a good just doing B your plus best, effort. You know what I mean? <laughs> a for effort. Yeah. I mean, so this is one of those things where I, I legit think about it like as in, I still go back to like, well, do you even like doing the thing to begin with, right? Because yeah. I, I don't – so if you follow different creators and then you talk about the creator economy and stuff, and, and I believe these are all true, by the way. I, I really do. I think they're, it's very clear that uh, certain people have substantial influence and can launch branded product portfolios and co-sponsorship deals and all this other stuff can go along with the fact that you have a captive audience, 100%. I 100% agree with that. But what if you're not – you know what I mean? Like, But like – they also talk to everyone as if like, oh, you want to be that. Um, a lot of people don't have that much to say. They're not, they don't want to be creators. So, you know what I mean? Like you might not be interested at all in that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's like I, – I legit believe that there are a lot – because I see it with my teenage kids. There are a lot of kids that think that you know, they want to be the next Mr. Beast or they want to be the next uh, you know, Logan Paul or Jake Paul or whatever. But they're not doing the things that those people did, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. and like or do in like the amount of investment, time, energy, and creating content, creating originals, putting out content that sucks, taking it down, trying it again, and yeah. you'll hear about it. I've seen articles and shows about different influencers who maybe lost their luster a little bit, like they were at the peak, started falling off, and how hard they tried to stay relevant. I could see it's very much. I mean, it's the showbiz game at a wider scale. There's more people than ever competing in showbiz now, and uh, I think that's. So, and you know, who knows who wants to be in that game? If it's up to you, it's up to you to decide if you want to do that. But yeah, for me, I like, I'm just a boring guy. So I, that's why my mind always goes boring. Yep. Yep. I mean, well, it'll be interesting in a future episode, we can talk about, you know, a little side project I have going on right now, which I think does tie into this, but I want to have actual results from it where yep. I spent a, probably under $2,000 at this point. So it's mostly just my sweat equity on the weekends and late at night where I'm 
trying to test a concept of a big idea, but that's something where it's like, we'll definitely have to talk about it and I can go through what worked, what didn't work. Can you give us work. a general hint of what industry or what are we talking about? Like you're, you're experimenting with what? Like you making ice cream? You making cookies? Yeah, you making, what you making? That's my next step. No. NFTs, so, remember all the hype on NFTs? NFTs are turds now, so don't buy one. If you have one, sorry. I know. You're Other lost. than for, well, that's huh? a different thing. I don't want to shift it somewhere else. I'm like, yes, other than for loyalty programs, which I think it's still working for them. But for me, uh, what I'm working on right now is testing the concept around having a kid's platform for audio and podcast content. Um, because me as a parent, what I see missing right now is one, I don't want my kids on screens all the time. We actually don't even really do screen times. We don't do TV. We don't, I mean, we just don't do that stuff. And so I still need something that I can trust to put my kids around where they can listen to great content, learn, and know that it's a safe platform. And so I'm testing out this concept right now. And, uh, yeah, we'll see if people are interested in it. Are they going to come to my landing pages I'm creating? Are they going to sign up and want to know when this thing is launching? What things are they looking for? I've got like a little questionnaire of like, why are you even here? Like, <laughs> what do you want? And so, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening with this, but I will say I, I have spent under $500 so far on this whole thing. And you know, next time in a future episode, we'll be able to like open up the landing page, look at what I have, look at the data. Um, but yeah, so not much at all. And there's a whole reason of why I haven't spent that much to create this stuff. Um, but it's all to just test the concept because what I wanted to see was before I spent a lot of money on building out apps, building whatever it might be, building out new content for kids, like what do parents actually want, if anything? And I want to know that before I invest any money into it. So that's what I'm working on right now. Um, and I'll say maybe within the month I will have, um, results that we can talk about and I'll show you the landing pages and you can see what I've been working on on the side on top of all the other fun things that we've been tackling. <laughs> oh man, sounds good. You've talked about this for a while. I won't, re I won't spoil your, uh, spoil your <laughs> reveal. You've talked about it for a while, this kid's thing. Yeah. Um, since 2018, I think I've talked about wanting to do this ever since Grayson was born. I think it's awesome. And it just, yeah, I'm like, it's just something I've wanted, but I'll say the technology wasn't there. The capabilities weren't there. There's just a lot of things that were missing. I mean, back then, you know, podcasting was still pretty new and nascent and no one even understood the technology and what it meant. And even now, there's still a lot of people who still have never listened to a podcast. So it's still a pretty, a space that's not just like obvious to everyone. Yeah, um, it does so, not have yeah. the market penetration that you would think. People, because people, no. I guess it depends on what circles you run in, right? Like a lot of, I think there's a lot of people I talk to that listen to podcasts. But mm -hmm. when I see the numbers on how many podcasts uh, listeners there are, it's not near. I mean, we're not even sniffing TV. Not even close. Yep. It's not. Yep. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's nowhere near. Yep. And that's why sometimes, I mean, launching ideas. You know, when the time's not ready, you've heard this from a lot of different founders where they launch things too soon, or you know, they launched a company that then ten years later another company basically created the same thing and it worked out really well. Uh, I think the timing, you know, and then what is happening with the market really matter. And so, had I even tried to explore this concept of kids podcasts and content and a platform back in 2018, there's no way it would have worked because just, I mean, not only was the interest not there, but also the technology wasn't there. Um, and now it's just things are getting to a very different space. So we'll see what happens with it. I mean, at the very least, it's fun to actually have an idea and do something with it. 
I think many people, including myself, it's easy to have a lot of ideas, but how quickly can you get to launch? How quickly can you, you know, move forward with the idea that you can test the market and see, is this something that's actually worthwhile? And that's something I think if you get in the habit of at least trying and launching and failing and succeeding, um, it's just fun. I mean, for me anyways, it's fun to be able to see what you can do uh, that all starts with just an idea that you had. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Now, I'm curious, why... Have you always thought about the platform for, I know we're running along now, but like, have you always, always thought about the platform first or being like a, a storyteller first? You know what I mean? Like, you know, how many people wake up in the morning and think, oh, I want to be the next Simon and Schuster, right? Or versus yeah. I want to be the next JK Rowling. I want to write the book. I want to write, tell the yeah. story. I don't want to be the distribution method of other people's stories. Like you're already thinking of the distribution mm -hmm. method of other people's stories rather than the Eventually. creator of the thing. I'll be a creator of the thing in the beginning just to make sure that the stories that I want told with the lessons and the values are in it. Um, and I'm open to allowing other people in the platform too. That's like farther down the road though. Um, but to me, I mean, you could launch a podcast right now and you can put it in Spotify and Apple and it's very hard to control what, you know, expectations parents or people have of what's in that category or what's going to pop up next. And especially with YouTube too, it's so hard to even know, like, what are the standards of these platforms? This says this is kids category and I go into it and there's like murders happening in this series. Like what age is this for? You know, there's just no standards. And I think that's what's missing right now in a lot of these different platforms for kids content, um, even YouTube kids, no standards. I mean, I would never put my kids in front of YouTube kids because you just don't know what's going to pop up. And so that's maybe my problem right there. now is like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we just would, I wouldn't do that. I've seen stuff pop up before. That's like weird. And, uh, it's just not something I want to put my kids who are three and five in front of. Um, and so that's where, you know, the idea of this platform has, you know, been around for me for a while is wanting to be able to actually control and make it a trusted space for parents, for kids that like, you know, the standards, you know, what, you know, content is going to be on here. You know, what, uh, values are in it and some random show about, you know, some kid doing something weird isn't going to pop up just because it seems like it's a, you know, a similar category. Um, and so that's why, yeah, I've held strong onto the platform idea. I just had to kind of figure out, it took some time to figure out why I wanted that and, you know, what the goal was behind it. Because yeah, it's easy for us just to launch content, launch new stories on podcasts, you know, or on Spotify, on Apple. Like, yes, we can easily do that. Uh, but I still think the problem is like parents don't know what to expect from those platforms because there really aren't that great of standards. So you, I mean, you're more of a publisher than a platform because publishers well, we're making all the, all the content though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're making all the content as yeah. well. So yeah. So you are going to put your author skills to test. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's already, that's, what, that's, that's really already the happening. Test, right. Yeah. That, that'll be the bulk of the content to begin with. Very cool. <laughs> so yeah, well, in a future episode, when we have more time, I can let you see what I've been working on and you can, yeah, I can reveal it to you for the first time ever. Yeah. I'll, listen, I'm, I'm always, I think whoever wants to make, if you want to make things, you should make things, right? And you can't be afraid of being made fun of. I wish I had that like juice or whatever. Uh, it's not in my brain. Uh, <laughs> But of course, you just help me make things then. You know, I love I love reading stories for sure. Right? You know, I love stories that are told, and so this is going to be exciting. I mean, crossing my fingers. Mm-hmm. Me too. We'll, we'll find out. In we a will find episode. out. Till next time, we're going to find out in where Stephanie's stories are. Maybe we'll get to hear one live, in Maybe. person. Dun dun dun. That'd be kind of killer. I know. That'd be cool. Till next time, All everybody. Right.